ladies and gents, and welcome back to the intro. This is your host, Matt Delavalle, a.k.a. MDV, and I'm back on the mic this week with my best buddy and co-host, Mr. Max Isaac, and we got way too fired up this week. We actually had a whole different discussion plan on the cardinal sins of coaching, but like I said, we got a little too juiced up along the way. Today's episode, though, is a great one. We cover everything from being a beginner to getting your ass kicked in jiu-jitsu to getting outside of your comfort zone all the way to coaches who lack awareness, what's the difference between motivation and discipline, and how to manage difficult situations if you are in a coaching role. Now, before you listen to this episode, which I know you're going to enjoy, two things I want to make you guys aware of. Number one, you've heard me say it before, Last Port Coffee Company. This is the coffee company I started this past year, www.lastportcoffee.com. Stop drinking big corporate coffee and lining those guys' pockets. Support small businesses. We have four amazing roasts, light, medium, medium dark, which is my absolute favorite, and dark, and you won't be disappointed. www.lastportcoffee.com. And if you use the code MDV, it saves on the entire site, Last Port Coffee Goods and Notorious Bastards Goods. You heard it here first. Number two, if you follow me on Instagram, at MDV underscore FIT, I am sure you have seen me throwing down in NC Flex. It's the program that I write every single workout for. It's a mix of functional training and a mix of bodybuilding in a beautiful find it all in one program. And no matter if you're looking to look good, if you're looking to train hard, if you're using it to supplement your jujitsu training, NC Flex is a fantastic place to get your workouts in. Now, without further delay, grab a notebook, grab a chair, and let's learn a thing or two about getting too fired up. Let's go. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the intro. Sitting down with my good buddy, Mr. Max Isaac at MaxAttack86, the owner, the head coach, the icon of CrossFit Tilt, five amazing locations in Massachusetts. Max, what's going on, buddy? Happy Friday. Happy it's, Friday. Uh, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood here in New England. We started off with rain. We got moved to sleet. Now there's a little bit of snow. Um, I know that you miss this weather um it's it's absolutely glorious today so it's a good day i don't you know looking back on my time in new england i certainly did like living in boston and i grew up in new york on long island but why does anybody actively choose to live in that climate especially during the winter during the fall during the spring during the summer new england the northeast is amazing but the winters are brutal in the northeast yeah, so I was actually talking to some people about this uh, this week. The reason why we stay in New England is I really like the snow. I don't like bitter cold temperatures, negative two, negative five, but I do really love the snow. It's something that is pretty special. I recently have taken up some snow sports, so uh, downhill skiing, cross country skiing being the two biggest. And uh, I'm now a beginner at both and I suck at both of them. And just this past weekend, I had like a, like a PR day of downhill skiing where I felt way more comfortable. So I, I, I would say if you're staying in New England and you don't do anything outside in the winter, you should probably just move to Florida or, you know, somewhere warm. But if you enjoy like snow sports, it's awesome. Like I just drove to Vermont 
last weekend, skied for a day, had like a really good time. So it's pretty, pretty enjoyable. I want to talk about the being a beginner thing because I'm experiencing a lot of the same in jujitsu. And I think that there's some awesome parallels between somebody who's been really successful in one specific endeavor, like going into a CrossFit gym or a functional training gym, we could walk into any gym in the world and feel immediately comfortable in any workout, no matter what it was. Maybe we even adjust the workout, we change it, we're going to do something a little bit different, but there's no really sense of discomfort. Right. But when you flip that equation and you put yourself back into the beginner's seat in a completely new endeavor, it is so eye-opening in terms of relating back to what people feel when they walk through the doors of a functional training or a CrossFit gym for the first time, I had this experience this week at jujitsu. I got my fucking ass handed to me, ass handed to me. And I've been doing this stuff for like a year and a half, very consistently now, but the learning curve in jujitsu is so sharp and so long. And you take two steps forward, but then all of a sudden it feels like you took 50 steps backward when you're introduced to something new again. And just struggling through that feeling of walking out of jujitsu and being like, I can't, I will never be good at this. I will never understand it. It just immediately clicked back for me again, where I'm thinking about people who have had conversations with where they look at me and they go, I can never do this. I, I will never remember what a thruster is. I'll never learn how to do, um, you know, a kettlebell swing properly. And it sounds it might sound basic to anybody listening, but those are real issues for people. That really happens. So this is, uh, so anyway, I have a quick, I have a question. What does it mean that you got your, your ass kicked? Like, are we like, did, were you, did you get like body slammed? Like I know <laughs> I, I, well, I just, so again, showing like how green I am, I don't know very much about jujitsu. So can you just tell us a little bit about what that means? Give us a play-by-play -play of you getting your ass kicked. What does that mean? Yeah, an absolute play-by-play. -play. Um, so jiu-jitsu obviously is the uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. There's a couple of different types of it. There's gi jiu-jitsu, which involves wearing the traditional gi, which is the quote-unquote pajama-looking thing. And then you have no gi jiu-jitsu where people wear essentially compression and shorts, and that's how they grapple. Um, okay. So when I got my butt kicked the other day in class, I rolled with a lot of people who were far more advanced than me. Yeah. And, you know, they, they probably went really easy on me too and still, you know, kicked my butt. I also had a couple of quote unquote rolls, which just means um, rounds of, of sparring or grappling with a few people who were more like my level at peers and just had really tough rolls or rounds with them in terms of they gave me much more than I had expected and kind of felt like, hey, I don't know anything. I feel really weak. I feel really tired. I just got choked out, you know, seven times by this black belt over here, this brown belt over here submitted me a handful of times. Like it can be very challenging because there's a lot of failure at jujitsu at all levels of um, accomplishment in jujitsu. You fail a lot. You have to fail a lot. It's necessary. Right. But especially now, when you're a when you're a white belt or in blue belt and just just learning, there's a right. lot of failure. All right, follow up question. Then I have some stuff I want to talk about as far sure. as beginners go. Are these five minute rounds? Are you essentially doing fight gone bad? So um, yes, the the rounds that I were doing were five minute grappling rounds uh, or jujitsu rounds, and um, 
we more often than not will do five minute rounds with about a 30 second interval between. So you get a couple of seconds to breathe. Five minutes is very, very challenging below five minutes. It gets, you know, it, it can be challenging below five minutes too, but obviously the length of the round is, right. is pretty, pretty long at five and then going above five can be brutal. Um, especially if you're not conserving your energy in the right way, but five minutes is kind of the standard. Okay. Um, well, I, I would assume that you're going back or have been back since that, right? Yeah, of course. So this is, this is something that I think as experienced trainers, experienced athletes, we 100% miss out on if we don't do new things that are challenging. And the reason why I've really enjoyed getting into downhill skiing and cross-country skiing is as silly as this sounds, I do really enjoy sucking at something because like you said, I'm at this point now when we do, when we do CrossFit workouts that sure, maybe I'm, I'm not at the same level weightlifting wise, right? Like I can't, I can't hit the same one rep maxes, but we all know, like once you've been doing CrossFit for a decade, like you see a workout, you know how to break a workout down, you know how to pace certain things, right? You got like all your little tips and tricks. To, to make things feel a bit more manageable. And when you really suck at something, you have none of that. And you really have to focus in on one thing. And this is what all of your new members are going through every single day, right? Like every single day, if you have a member, I would, I'd say under six months, I mean, Matt, maybe you have a different time domain here, but I think if you're under six months and you're newer to working out, um, they are going through these moments all the time where they're feeling like they're quote unquote failing. And I, 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 I like that you brought that up, that failure piece, um, because I, I tend to look at it a, a bit differently. You know me, I'm kind of uh, like glass half full type of guy in one those moments are essential to your members growing for you to grow for for me to grow for anybody to grow you have to be i believe you, you have to be challenged right the thing that i really care about with newer members and this is something that a good trainer good coach should be able to do is first identify when your member is having a really tough time right and i mean Let's, let's be honest here. Like if you can read somebody's body language, you can tell really easily what's going on. The, the second thing is, you know, you, you go ahead, like most notably, I think about like the workout, the sevens, right? Like you program the sevens, everybody's going to have a hard time doing that, doing, doing that workout. Just for everybody um, listening, the sevens is a very, very challenging seven round workout with seven reps of challenging movements for seven movements every round. Correct. That's the, yeah, seven. I, I, yeah, I, I can go. Okay. We can look it up and get the exact movements, but just for everybody's knowledge, it's just a very, very tough workout. Yeah. Listen, there's, there's 135 and 95 pound thrusters, Thruster, there's pull-ups, there's knee, knees to elbows, hands, yeah, handstand pushups, kettlebell swings, there's burpees. Anyway, um, first you need to identify what's going on with your member. Then the next thing is having a conversation with them after that class. And I, I actually like to have this conversation um, with with a group because I think it I think it hits closer to home. And what I talk to people about is when you finish a workout and you're kind of laying there panting and you're kind of, you know, maybe you're running through the whole workout, 
people's instincts is to immediately highlight the things that they did poorly. Oh, in that workout, I should have done this, or I really sucked at this. I have a really hard time with that because essentially what you're doing is the second that you're, that you're finishing a workout where you obviously put all of this effort into and you care so much about it, the first thing that you're doing is saying how much you suck at it. So, okay, well, go ahead. Let me just quickly interrupt there because I, I beat the hell out of myself after jujitsu. It's really hard. And I'm actually working with my coaches to kind of flip that equation. Coaches need coaches too, everybody. So like, I'm not embarrassed to say that I struggle with some of this stuff as well. I have really high standards for myself. I want to be a top performer. I really want to be good at this. And maybe that's the thing that most members within a functional training and CrossFit gym can relate to the most. Maybe not the fact that they think they're ever going to be on the podium at the games or they're going to win medals or they're going to be the most ripped person in the world, but they probably just want to be proficient at it. They probably want to be decent at this. And because they're putting time and energy into it, it's very difficult and challenging for them to feel like they're not making as quick of progress as possible. That's kind of how I look at it for myself sometimes, because, you know, when, when you, when you struggle through something that you've been doing for a little bit and you want to be good at it, it's very, very hard to deal with that. And that moment after the workout, when you just feel like, man, I, I just worked really hard, but I, I, I felt like I made no, no progress. I felt like I didn't do anything right. I felt like this workout really kicked my butt. That's, I think, at least part of the reason why people reflect a little bit more on the, the I want to say negative, but like the, 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 the downsides of some of it and be very hard on themselves. It's very hard to turn around after a very tough workout that you maybe you just did get your butt kicked. Maybe you did fail a bunch of movements. Maybe you struggled or you saw somebody pass you in a workout and re regardless of whether or not that really matters or not. Uh, and maybe you finished last, or maybe you, you did poorly on some sort of station during the, the workout, whatever it was, it's very easy to look back and go, man, I, I, I didn't do as well as I thought I was going to do. And I, I missed this and didn't do this it's harder to see the bright side in those situations. Right. And I think we're also talking about a couple of different types of athletes, right? So I think that in, in a functional training space, you have, you know, somebody like yourself, right? Like let's okay. You're going, you're going into jujitsu. You've been training your entire life. Like you've been training for over 20 years in some sort of discipline, whatever it is. Right. So you're a little bit different than somebody under six months, right? Like you're, 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 you're way different than that. And so, well, maybe, but maybe based on my own personal expectations for myself, but I don't know whether or not that changes the, the idea or the paradigm that if you are not doing great at something, or you feel like you're, you're getting your butt kicked by something and maybe somebody else has a different perspective. Maybe your coach looks at you and goes, man, that person's actually doing quite good for where they're at in their journey. It's hard to have that perspective as the individual who just finishes and feel like, feels like you just failed everything. Feels right. like you didn't do anything right. Right, so what I'm trying to say here yeah. is the conversation that I'm having with the group 
is when you finish working out and you feel like you got your butt kicked, you should also reflect back and think about some things that you did well, because not every single athlete is the athlete that likes to feel, oh, like I got my butt kicked today and I'm going to come get my butt kicked tomorrow and I'm going to get my butt kicked the day after that. Like not everybody is like that. In fact, you let's say you got a, a brand new member and five days in a row, they're getting their ass handed to them and they're not getting a lot of positive reinforcement. Maybe they just stopped coming. Hey, oh, maybe sure. actually, you know what? Maybe actually this, like, this isn't for me. You know, I know they told me that this stuff is universally scalable and it's for everybody. It certainly doesn't feel that way because every single time that I come in here, I'm, I'm feeling like I'm not doing well. And this is also leading me into the next thing that I'm talking about, which is as a coach, it is on you to be highlighting not only the things that your member needs to work on, because that is why you're there. Yes, you're going to give them feedback on their movement, but you also better be able to come over there and be like, hey, you know what? I know that those thrusters were super challenging. I saw you struggling to hold your elbows up in the bottom of that squat. That is so hard. But the best thing that I saw was you found this really great cadence. You had the bar up and overhead. You're taking a deep breath. Whatever it is, and listen, I'm just throwing stuff out there. But the, the mark of a really good trainer is somebody who is such an active participant in their members' workouts that they can finish class and be able to go up to a number of different people and be like, hey, kill this today, this other thing. Like, hey, don't worry, you're going to get there. I saw your toe to bar start to break down. I know we worked on, you know, starting it with that hollow arch, then the movement, whatever it is. But it's, um, it's, and, and, and again, th this is why a lot of people need coaches. You know, mm. if you had me at your jujitsu studio with you, I'd be making you feel so much better, be hyping <laughs> you up, making you feel really good about getting choked out seven times. At least well, it wasn't eight. That's true. Well, the, the coaches do do a, a darn good job at 10th Planet Portland. I want to shout those guys out. The 10th Planet system. If you guys are in uh, CrossFit, into CrossFit gyms and you're into community-based fitness, the closest analog that I have found to that in the jujitsu space has been 10th Planet. There's a lot of uh, very cool similarities there. And maybe one day we'll do a little bit of an episode where we compare um, kind of jujitsu community to uh, CrossFit community. But the thing that we're talking about really in terms of the coaches. The coaches do have a responsibility, in my opinion. If, if you really want to help and usher your members through some pretty trying times, some really challenging stuff, you do have to have a level of perspective and awareness. And I think the perspective is gained, like we were talking about earlier, through the coach experiencing things that are challenging for them throughout their career of coaching for them to be putting themselves in uncomfortable positions or trying something new. It doesn't need to be physical activity. It could be something that's challenging for them mentally, emotionally, socially, just so they can tap into that perspective that they don't carry this torch of like always just being a champion at everything. And I'm the best at this. And I am now disconnected from the person who walks into the gym and can't remember what a thruster is. And I think that that's so crazy that you can't remember what a thruster is. And it's so crazy that you can't do an air squat, or it's so crazy that you can't do a couple of sit-ups. That is a lack of perspective that could be absolutely fatal to your coaching career because you're not on the same level as the athletes. 
And it's not, I'm not saying you have to stay at the same level as the athletes your entire career. You shouldn't, you should be making progress up the ladder and working on yourself, becoming a better coach, becoming a better athlete, becoming a better human being, but you should be able to relate all the way fucking down the ladder to the first person who walks into the gym, who's scared off their ass. And you should be able to walk up to that person and say, you can do this because I used to be there. I was what I was feeling and still do feel sometimes what you are feeling right now. And I can help you. Yeah. Well, I agree with, um, I agree with all of that. And this is why actually, uh, we've never shouted this guy out. Jason Ackerman, uh, put a cool post up that was about experience being one of, one of the best teachers. Right. And which was interesting because then he also put a post up a week before about being a CrossFit level four. So I'm not quite sure what's going on there. <laughs> um, but experience is the best teacher. And as a coach, it's important to have moments that are similar to what your members are going through. And I think our last episode, we talked a little bit about challenges, right? And pushing ourselves out of our comfort zone and I know for me personally, I put a post up on, on our closed uh, Facebook group for, for this challenge. And I just kind of put all my cards on the table. I said, Hey, you know what? Um, this was my most successful challenge. It was one of the hardest challenges that I've done because I really held my feet to the fire and stayed as strict as I possibly could. I would, you know, drive for January, made sure that I was eating, you know, certain meals. And I said, also, because I spent a couple of years out running a bad diet, I have, you know, and again, I, I'm sure there are coaches and trainers that are listening to this that that can relate. Um, but, I, you know, I had kind of figured out like, oh, you know, I could add a little bit of cardio on top of this and, you know, still be OK with, you know, not having the best foods all the time. The more that trainers can show their cards to their members, the better the community will be. Mm. And you are elevated in the eyes of your members based on a couple things, right? You know, it's one, you know, Ben used to talk about the different levels of leadership, which I think is, I think is a, a cool conversation at another time. But anyway, listen, you know, people are going to follow you because you have, you know, coach in front of your name, coach MDV, coach Max, they're going to follow you. Right. And then there's this thing about like, oh, well, you know, you got so-and-so results. And then like, you know, eventually you become the Jedi master where people just know about MDV or they know about Max, or they know about Ben and they, they follow them. But the other, the other part of that, and the reason why people follow you is that you're real with your members and you don't put yourself on a pedestal and that you show them that you're experiencing the same things that they are. Now they may be you know, very different than what a new member is experiencing, but you're still human and you're still going through those same experiences. And this can be really, really hard um, for coaches to do because it has to be, this is, this is going to sound so stupid, but it has to be about you, but also can't be about you. Like you can't, you can't be the focal point and but you also need to let them know like, Hey, I've been there. I've struggled similarly to, to what you're going through. And I've found when you are real and walk the walk that you also talk, people will, will follow you through everything because mm -hmm. you're, you're honest and real with them. Right. Um, but it, 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 sorry, go ahead. 
No, I was just going to say this stuff that we're talking about here in terms of, I think it really comes down to two, two really critical facets of being an excellent coach, which is perspective and awareness. And there's probably some other stuff mixed in there, but you know, perspective and awareness are just as important as having the technical knowledge, the skills, the charisma, all that kind of stuff that go into making somebody, um, you know, when you look at them on the surface, a really great coach. If you don't have perspective and awareness, yeah, you can be a very talented technical trainer. Yeah, you can be pretty charismatic and people can enjoy being around you. But like, you are going to be lacking this huge part of the game, huge part of the, 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 the profession that really helps you connect deeply with your athletes. You know, in terms of awareness, you know, we kind of started talking about this earlier on where like you have to be able to meet all the different types of people where they're at because you will get somebody who crosses your threshold who maybe has never done an air squat before in their life. And maybe that's the most challenging thing that they're ever going to do up until that point is cross the threshold of the gym and do a handful of air squats. And you have to be able to empathize and understand that. But you, then you also need to be able to connect with the person who's the former D1 athlete who walks through the doors of the gym. And as soon as you teach that person how to do a thruster, now they're doing a 185 pound thruster, like the hot knife through butter. So there's, <laughs> there's different levels to this. And you know, I think that that makes coaching particularly challenging because it's easy sometimes to forget that you have to be able to relate to all those different types of people. Um, one of the things that you said there, Max, towards the end, which I think is really powerful as well, is, is this idea of, of coaches still doing the thing, coaches still participating in the thing that the members are participating in, but not making it just a show about them, not doing the the workouts just to smash all the members scores, not applauding yourself on how well you did the challenge because you want everybody to look at you and say, Oh, wow, that person's so cool. And so great. That's probably one of the most fucking cringy things about uh, coaches who lack awareness is the fact that if they don't have that check on their awareness, if they let their ego just completely run wild, it is, so suffocatingly brutal to watch this person do this that I don't know how members just don't walk out of the, the gym or walk out of the room. I mean, that's, it's one of the biggest sins, in my opinion, of a coach is that complete lack of awareness where now everything becomes about them and nothing is about the members. Yeah, well, this is also incredibly hard to do right? Like it's very hard to share in the member's experience and like not make it, like you said, like a focal point for that, for that coach, right? And so this is also why we're telling all of our coaches to, to take class all the time. And it's kind of the same protocol that we talked about a while back. Um, about dropping into a gym when as a coach when you take class you better be five to ten minutes early right like you better do 
the entire freaking warm up yeah, to you, a T. The model member. The Keep model your member. mouth shut. <laughs> no, I'm I'm serious. I know I'm I'm laughing because it's the best. This is this is exactly right. right. Keep your mouth shut and do the goddamn workout. Also, if you have a favorite pull-up bar, no, you don't. You got a favorite bar, you love a pair of clips. No, nah, man, you don't give a shit about that anymore. Just take a seat, hold on, and have a good time. Like, can we just talk about how fundamentally fucking stupid it is for a coach who is doing anything in the gym where a member might want to use a same or similar piece of equipment? And you, the coach says, This is my spot. This no. is my barbell. Stop. Stop. This is Stop my pull-up bar. I can't even, I, I can't even, my brain can't wrap around how fucking stupid that is. And if you're out there listening and go, well, I have my favorite pull-up bar that I use every time we do a workout. You need to check yourself so fucking fast. I, I can't, I can't deal with this. It's, it's so, so selfish. So hold on. There, there's a lot to unpack here. And I like that you're getting all fired up. First things first, if you're in a small class and you got your favorite stuff and it's fine to use, you use it. But what you just said is true. If there is even one person that needs one thing and you have it, it is theirs now. I mean, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll be doing, you know, conditioning workouts and I, and I had gone in and I'm like, oh, I'm going to use the rower today. And I go in and everybody's on the rower. I'm like, I am not using the rower today. I don't even care what I do. It really doesn't matter. And this is um, this is one of the hardest parts as um, as somebody that's signing up to be a coach is not about you anymore. And this is this is the other thing. Like, if you can't do this, just be a member. You should just be a member because um, as a member you get everything. And this is how it should be. If, if you are a member, it's, it's all for you. And we've talked about this so many times, but literally that's it. When this is going to get, this is going to bring me down a, a whole nother rabbit hole as well. But if you are paying for a premium service, and I think we can all agree that if you're going to a functional fitness space, you're going to an NC fit gym, tilt gym, whatever, you are paying a premium price to be a part of the gym. Things that you are paying for high level of coaching, hopefully a halfway decent facility and real one-on-one attention. I did not say one-on-one programming. And I know there's all these other things that we can talk about that they're getting, but truly they're coming in to be coached and cared for. That's it. As a coach taking class, your whole thing is to be a ghost. You can be a fit ghost, but you're a ghost. You're not there to take anything away from their experience. You can certainly add to it. Here's some things that you can do to add to the experience. Really really quick, quick, just really quickly before you go there, we are talking about coaches who are employed by the gym, who are not assigned to coach the class at the time. We're talking about coaches who are in the gym who are like, oh, I'm going to like, oh, it's Cindy today. 
and you know all my favorite members are here so i'm gonna hop into the class and and do the class with them which i think is an amazing thing that coaches can and should do you should be participating in classes if you're not assigned like yeah awesome jump in be a part of the community be bolster that class up but don't make it all about you be the model member and if you're assigned to coach that class you cannot do the workout with that class as much as you might want to your job is to coach them not work out no, nobody nobody who is listening to this podcast is taking their own class I if you are you unsubscribed um no we need all the subscribers please subscribe tell your friends and <laughs> post about it um so here, here, here are some things that you can do if, if, you're, if you're taking class. We already talked about being on time. We already talked about listening. The other thing that you should be doing is if you don't know somebody in that class, you need to introduce yourself immediately. At some point in the beginning of that class, hey, what's going on? And I will tell you right now, as the owner of a handful of gyms, I don't know every member, but you better believe any class that I'm in, if I see somebody I don't know, I immediately go up to them. Hi, my name is Max. My favorite color is green. I drink five cups of coffee a day. Fun fact about myself, as well as my favorite color. You could put that for your favorite ice cream flavor, favorite fruit, whatever it is. But I'm definitely introducing myself to everybody. That's, that's one thing that you can do. The other thing that you can do is just generally put out a good vibe while you're working out. So that means there's no swearing. There's no slamming of bars. There is no erratic behavior. And the other thing that you're doing is at the end of the workout, when you finish, if you finish early, great, take a seat, sit down, take a seat. That's it. Take a seat. Just wait. I mean, that, that's, that, those are, those are my, my two cents there. What do you have? I think you, you were spot on with, with most, if not all of those, you know, I do think that the coach who is taking the class also has to have the awareness that, Hey, if the coach who's coaching the class looks like they need some help i can be the person who assists in helping usher this experience along hell yeah not detracts from it or not makes it harder on them you know so if there's obviously like equipment issues if if things need to be set up if he if he or she needs help wrangling the group if there's movements that need to be demonstrated if there's things that need to be you know, pulled in or gotten while the coach is going through something, that coach who's in the room should very, very carefully and, you know, um, without making a big deal of it, very like almost like a secondary coach, kind of very kind of qu quietly and calmly do the things or give that person who's leading the, the, the class a little nudge and be like, hey, do you, if you need any assistance, just, just let me know and I can help. Those that's really, really important. And that's another kind of level of awareness. You can't just blindly go about class or taking or getting your workout if your peer is struggling or if they need help. You should step in in some way, not take the class from them, not take the reins, not be like, oh, I got to add this. And have you talked about this? That bogarts the experience. That really takes the coach off of their class plan but very, very in a subdued manner, help them uh, with whatever they need. Oh yeah, man, Matt, you are, you are a smart cookie. I, this is, 
this is one of the best things about us being able to chat every week is I think that was just such a great point <laughs> is as a coach, you're taking class, you're seeing some things that need to be done. You have the awareness to just Mr. Sneaky Sneak, Mrs. Sneaky Sneak, you just go around, you make a couple things happen and you go back. And if, if it also turns out to be this thing where, hey man, you know what? You thought you're about to have a 15 person class. You now have 35 people, the workout's changing. You actually can't work out anymore. You need to be the secondary coach for that. Bam, you're there. The experience is gonna be off the freaking chain because everybody knows what's better than one coach, two. What's oh, better than two yeah. coaches, no. Keep it two. You don't need three. Two is the best. Okay. But um, no, but listen, I'm, I'm <laughs> three coaches is too many. Take a seat. All right. But, but um, if it turns out that there needs to be a secondary coach, that's like the best problem ever. But let me tell you, this is the hardest part is for any coach listening out there to understand nobody gives a shit about your workout anymore. And that is, that is a hard pill to swallow. And let me tell you, as a young trainer, I was not accepting that fact. And it's just, it's just how it, how it went in, in, in the beginning, when you're a new coach, it's like, when you're a new coach and you think that you're going to be competitive in, in CrossFit or wh whatever it is, you think that your workout is the most important thing. When you give yourself a little bit of a reality check and you've been doing it for a little while and you realize that you're getting paid to coach and nobody's actually paying you to work out, you then understand um, that you can find another 15, 20, 25, 30 minutes, some point in your day to do a workout. And for anybody listening right now, if you had your heart set on doing this freaking amazing workout um, and it's like, it's the best workout that you've ever seen before in your life, but then something happens at your job, the thing that you're actually getting paid to do, and you can no longer do this workout. Here's a workout for you. Do one minute of plank, one minute of wall sit for as long as you want. And you're going to be super fit. Don't even freaking <laughs> worry about that awesome workout. Nobody cares. It wasn't that great of a workout to begin with. You're doing a better job actually doing your job. And that to me, when I started coaching, I could have never accepted that fact. Could have never. Yeah, um, I, I I disagree with you just a little bit here, and we're pro I'm probably going to split hairs to get to the disagreement because. Oh, uh, here we go. No, 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 no. I I do think that athletes or members in gyms do like to support the coaches in their fitness, and they do like to see the coaches do things that are aspirational, or they they want to be a part of this person's journey as well and participate in it and cheer them along so if like a coach prs their back squat or if a coach um does really well on a particular workout or you know there's um you know an event coming up that uh there's going to be you know multiple heats and some of the coaches are participating like the open the athletes do i think like to see the coaches do well but and this is where i think we're going to agree completely the coach cannot make the workout, the performance, the PR, the center of attention. Right. Allows, and and the athletes are allowed to celebrate and be there with you and be a part of it just as if it was any other member. But as soon as you turn the spotlight on yourself and you go, no, nobody else is important here except me and my performance and what I'm doing. 
I think that that is another cardinal sin of coaches where you let your ego get the best of you. And now it's all about you. It's right. all about you. And to, to be fair, I was, I was still going on what we were talking about where something else needs to be done for a member. Right. So that's my mistake. I should have, I should have got down to the minutia because I saw you splitting atoms there. Um, well, no, but, I, I, I agree with you in terms of like, hey, if there's something else that's going on and, and a member yeah. needs assistance, this, this kills me. This kills me that a coach who's working out, let's say even when, uh, let's say a class is going on and there's a coach in the class or class is not going on. It's kind of like open gym time. A coach is working out. Maybe the front desk person is you know, busy off doing something or um, there's no front desk person for some reason. And somebody walks into the gym a prospective new member walks in. And if the coach does not immediately stop what they're doing to go over and talk to this new member, I think that that is so fucking crazy and such a lack of perspective that I, I, don't, I don't know what, what else to say or do about that. Like your workout is not that important, really. Like you can pause your workout for a couple of minutes come back to it after you just greet this person and either point them in the right direction or get their information and then go back to what you were doing. But the thing that you have to remember is the person, the prospective member who's walking into the gym is technically participating in paying your fucking salary. If new members don't come into the gym and sign up, or if current members aren't retained and stay, how do you think you're going to make money? So you have to have that perspective as well. Yeah. Well, I was not a business major, so I don't know. Um, <laughs> no, I, uh, well, yes, listen, I, I think the, the point I was trying to make is as a coach, um, if, you're, if your first job is coaching, then your workout really doesn't matter that much. And that, that, is, that is a hard pill to swallow. Um, but I have found that I can easily make 30 minutes outside of a class time, like any day, and um, even if you're working out at like 7:30 at night, I don't know. I know that I've just seen like a bunch of a bunch of your posts like recently, and you know you're getting something in late at night. And even like even the other day, I was you know completely beat, hadn't worked out for the day. It was like 7:30, 8 o'clock at night. I was like, all right, like I'm just I I got I got to go do this. And this is actually um, a cool post that that I saw Marcus Philly put out. I feel like I always talk about him, but I like some of the stuff that he does. Well, whatever. I can (laughs) have a, yeah, well, there are some things that he does that are whatever that, that it's just not achievable, but a lot of the things that he does talk about, I do like. And one thing that he said is, you know, you can't solely rely on motivation and there is going to be a lot of times when you're training or you're getting into training and you don't feel very motivated. And that's when discipline kicks, kicks in. And I did, I did really like that, that post that he put out because there are times where you're not going to feel super motivated and you're maybe a little tired, a little beat up, and then you discipline kicks in, you get to work out, which is great. You know, if you're somebody who, who coaches, you obviously have a high level of discipline because being a coach isn't easy and there's a lot that you have to put into it. Um, we, it was so funny. We, we started this episode and we were going to talk about the, like the five cardinal sins of things that, you know, coaches shouldn't do during class. And we actually talked about, um, a couple of them. Yeah. Yeah. We, 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 we talked about ego a lot. Um, 
And actually one thing that, that we did talk about, but we didn't really identify specifically was being rude or mean. And this, this comes from like a lack of understanding from the coach. And like you just said, it's about perspective. And, um, I, I can certainly remember that there are times where I've felt high levels of frustration oh, with man, a member. Yeah, sure. And um, the thing that I have to do when that happens, and I'm sure a bunch of coaches do this, is first you have to fake it till you make it. And you really have to put on a smile. And the second thing that you have to do after it is to um, check yourself and understand that you truly don't know what is going on in your member's life. Mm. And this is something for all trainers, like being rude, mean, standoffish. Um, one thing that I used to always lose perspective on because I've been doing it for so long, and Matt, I'm sure you've experienced this, is when you live in a gym for 10 years, right? What, you know, you're a coach, you're a gym owner. Mm -hmm you actually don't realize that your life is a goddamn fairy tale. Like it, it, it truly is. And just, just so you know, like fairy tale for me means that one, I'm comfortable all day. So sweatpants, sweatshirt, shorts, t-shirt, that's, that's, that's real. Like if you, if you're, if you wear a suit every day, I am so sorry. It's not comfortable. <laughs> I mean, it's so the other thing is, um, it's a fairy tale because every day you actually get to help somebody in their life in some way, shape or form. Um, you lose sight of that really easily that you have this freaking amazing life and that your members maybe outside of the gym are not having such a fairy tale mm -hmm. life. And so when they come in, a lot of the times what you're getting from them, if you're feeling frustrated, if you're feeling upset with a member and they're dumping things on you, it's because like, this is their only freaking outlet, right? Like this is their only time where it can actually be about them. And if you're like rude, mean, standoffish, you're essentially saying to your member, to your member, like, don't care, don't care about, about you. Uh, this place actually isn't for you. Yeah, it's like it for me it's the number one like this well, it's, is it's very easily it's very easy to get comfortable in the community-based fitness environment in the gym that you work at in the gym that you form a lot of your professional relationships so that you get your paycheck you have your personal relationships you have your friends you have your fitness you have a lot of things that go on within the walls of that gym you spend a tremendous amount of your time there it's easy. It's easy to get comfortable there. And, and, and in some senses, you should be comfortable in your skin in the gym, for sure. I want you to be comfortable. Right. The downside of comfort in terms of what it can mean for how you act or how you treat the facility is that it can you can lose sight or perspective that, hey, this is still my job. This is still a place that I work. This is still, there are standards that we have to hold here. And you can also start to take things for granted including the members, including your relationships with them, including how you greet them every day when they come on into the gym. And that's part of the comfort syndrome that can happen is that you can start to, you know, think that the lines between professional and personal get really, really blurry. And someone might say something to you that you take a little bit personally, and now you snap back at them. Oh boy. Oh boy, that not a good situation to be in. And I've been in that situation, man. I, I mean, I, I look back on some of the things, some of the interactions I've had with members who are challenging 
And I'm not super proud of all of them, especially early on. You know, I was lucky to learn from people very early on in my career who taught me that some, if somebody is giving you static, you have to be able to buffer that with either just the awareness to smile and walk away or give them some space. Or if there's a moment where you can ask them, hey, what's going on? It seems like you're a little trouble today. Is, is everything okay? Or outside of the class environment, approach that person and have a conversation one-on-one -on -one, or kick it up the ladder to the next person who's maybe the manager or the owner. But what you don't want to do is you don't want to take the fucking gloves off and go head head to head, toe to toe with this person in front of 15 of their peers. Because all of a sudden now, what you've done is you've put your ego versus their ego, and now you challenge them in front of all their friends. This is not going to end well. It doesn't end well for anybody. It's and and if you take a second to kind of pull yourself out of that scenario and just think about it, it's really, really fucking embarrassing for all people involved. And that person might be in the wrong. They might have done or said something that is really, really offensive to you. You cannot just kind of go guns blazing at them in front of everybody. If it was so offensive and so wrong and so hurtful and so rude and so outside of the cultural core values, Yes, maybe you need to pull that person to the side and, and ask them to, hey, collect your things and, and maybe this isn't the class for you to be in right now. There are some situations like that. That's extreme. That doesn't happen very often. No, but no, it doesn't. Most of the time, but I, if someone is a little bit rude or they're flippant or they say, hey, I, I don't really feel like doing this today. That's not the, that's not the hill that you want to die on as a coach. No, the... The biggest thing that I've learned as a coach and before that as a teacher is it's very rarely about you. And um, like if you can just take things at face value and understand that a lot of the times this isn't a personal attack on you as a person, you're probably going to be okay. <laughs> like, you know, and that, that for, for me, I just remember early on in my coaching career, it was not only, you know, a, a member coach thing, but it was, you know, coach owner thing, you know, the first, the first time I remember getting, getting feedback from, from Ben on certain things. We, I think we've talked about this before. I just, I thought that it was just a personal attack on me as a person. Like I couldn't, I couldn't handle it. You know, I was like, this guy thinks I'm like a terrible person. Paul. He's like, no, 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 no. Like your, your class sucked and you need to try and do these things next time to make it better. Like you're still a good person. Like yeah. I want you to, want you to coach here, but it's, it's, it's really hard because the other thing that, that happens in, in all these gyms is that their emotions run really high. And I mean, whether it's, you know, you're having interaction with a member or, I mean, I, I, I'm sure we've all been in workouts where you get this like crazy emotional response after the workout. Like if it was a really bad workout and, you know, you storm off afterwards, not that you would ever do that. Um, or, or <laughs> oh, some, or, oh, I know, I just was throwing it out there, a little sarcasm to break it on up, but like, you know, uh, emotions just, emotions just run high at, really i think at really great gyms because people invest a lot into them yes and as a coach your job 
is to be able to check your own emotions and let other people experience their kind of full gambit of of emotions at at the gym you yeah. know you're 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 there to essentially be you know be there to listen um because i'm sure a lot of coaches out there listening right now have had times where they're just listening to their members and that's also one of the best things that you can do for for a lot of your members you know i'm sure uh, Matt, you've had this experience with, with a lot of members where sometimes you're in like a small class and all your member wants to do is just talk to you about their life. Now, I'm not saying that's that's your job, but kind of amazing that somebody feels comfortable enough to share with you. Uh, yeah, it is really amazing. And I think you, you're spot on in so far where, you know, emotions can run high in these types of gyms. And I think it's because a lot of people put a lot of time and energy and effort and care into what they do. But then you also need to be able to detach yourself at points from that emotion and just look at the facts of the situation or be able to take constructive criticism in a way that will help you continue to improve or help the gym to continue to improve. Because if you can't, if you're so wrapped up in the emotion of it that you can't take feedback on your class from your owner. Or if that becomes a contentious situation every time someone tries to sit down with you and talk to you about, you know, something that you might be able to do better, that that's also a lack of perspective and awareness. And you're too emotional about it. You got to take a step back. You have to realize that, yes, it's a good thing that I care about what I do, but it's not a good thing to let it become so wrapped up in emotion and all of this feeling and all this energy that I can't talk about it without getting spun up or without getting angry or without getting, you know, resentful of somebody. That's a really, really, really bad place to be. So, you know, I, we had a plan, a different plan for this episode, Max. And one of the reasons why I really do love having these conversations weekly with you is because we can flow so easily through, you know, something that is very, very important that might not necessarily just have a clear red thread the entire time, but you know, this episode for me was probably one of my favorites so far. And we did cover a lot of really important stuff in there for anybody who's a coach, a gym owner, a prospective coach, or an athlete to hopefully just gain a little bit of perspective and awareness about what you do, whether that's in regards to, hey, this is how I'm working with beginner athletes, or this is how I'm handling situations that are, uh, you know, highly charged and emotional, or this is how I need to start to look at at feedback. And I really appreciate the time with you today, buddy. And uh, I think it was a really good one. Me, me too. And I, uh, I, I really love that as well. Like we were, we were getting into this and I'm like, Oh, wow. We're like, we're just, we're just kind of like riffing on this. And it, it, it was, uh, it's always really cool. Uh, I have a, I have a couple questions before we, before we finish up. Um, so first is um, Bengals or Rams for the Super Bowl. Because um, I don't know when this is going to be aired, but I want you to make a pick. So this will air. Uh, this will air the 15th. We are. Oh, sorry. Yeah. The 15th. So when after is the, the Super, Super Bowl? Bowl? I think it's I think it's uh, the 13th. OK, so this will this will air right after the game has been played. I kind of hope that the Bengals win. I would like to see the Bungles get a W there in the Super Bowl. Me, me too. So I'm going to pick Bengals as well, mostly because 
their outfits are <laughs> they do the have mo- some of the best uniforms they got the, the best the best swaggy outfits uh, i also saved um a good song for people to listen to this week and uh it's grinding all my life by nipsey hustle and that this song is an absolute freaking banger and what i mean by that is this is a song that you could listen to three times on repeat total of like i think it's that's about a total of nine minutes and you're going to be totally fine. Uh, so that, that's what I had. I had uh, the pick and music. What do you got for us before we sign off, Matt? Well, very cool. I recently discovered an artist called NF. NF, just those two letters. And I, I think I'm way, way behind the trend on this person because they are absolutely amazing. A couple of songs in particular. Uh, the Search is probably one of the most amazing songs I had never heard. Um, and also, you know, I've just been going back and really digging a lot of the uh, early 2000s, mid 2000s kind of uh, pop punk emo stuff that is really a lot of the baseline of what I listen to. Um, <laughs> cover to cover, two albums that, and anybody who's a big fan of that kind of music, two albums that you must listen to at least a couple times a year. Number one would be Fallout Boy, Take This to Your Grave. That is an amazing album. It's their first major album. They had one prior to that, but this was the one that really put them on the scene. And then number two, and this is probably one of my favorite albums of all time, My Chemical Romance, Welcome to the Black Parade. Cover so good. to cover, an amazing, it's almost like listening to some sort of like operatic uh, performance or something. It's a complete experience, start to finish. That's where I'm at. Well, okay. I actually had one more thing, but first off, I'm going to listen to my, I'm going to listen to my chemical, my chemical romance today. I did have one question for you. Shoot. And is a hot dog, a sandwich or, or a taco? Oh boy. You just have to pick one. Is that debate for for next week? No, you have to pick one charged. Just make a pick. I'll make a pick. We'll sign off. Okay. Taco. That's it. We'll talk more next time. All right, ladies and gents. Thanks for listening. Bye. Hello, friends. MDV here. Thank you for listening to the Intro with MDV podcast. And if you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe for weekly downloads wherever you listen to your podcast. Remember, we have a new episode coming to you every Tuesday. And if you have time and five stars to spare, please leave me a rating and review on iTunes. If you're looking for more out of me, MDV, you can find me on Instagram at MDV underscore FIT. Until next time, friends, let's go. Let's go.